we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I was going to do the podcast standing up for old times, but I thought I'd sit down, be in frame, and show off this super dope sweater. Yeah, super dope. Super dope. Super Guess what color it is? Maroon. What you material is that? Touch it. Is that velvet? velvet? It's velvet. Ooh, very nice. It's more like very a velour. Nice. Just like King Joffy Jofer's lion skin in a coming to America. Is that his name? I thought you were trying to say King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. No, I don't even know if I said it right. Game. He doesn't watch Game of Thrones. No. No, raping and pillaging? I don't watch that one. Sorry. Listen, I don't know who you are anymore. I'm Chris Sims. Because it's 2019. Yeah. You and reinventing yourself this year. Why? Why? New year, new Sims. Why? That's what everybody does. Is that right? New year, new Sims. Get a new diet. Got to wear new clothes. No, no, we don't do new. We don't do new. We're constantly working on new. We just add things we'd like to improve. I mean, if you're just sitting back content with self, then you're missing out on life. I could just tell you that. So let me ask you this. What? Do you have a New Year's resolution? Nope. Now that I can think of. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that I probably need to be better at. I need to be better at um, not stressing about my job so much and enjoying it, like you've heard me say before. Sure. I've right? heard you say that many times. I also need to work, be better at kind of contacting people who I'm friends with and staying in contact with them, but not like they're not like immediate in the front. Like, I'm very bad at... Like oh, I'm awful at this. I know. Like we, you know, we were good friends three years ago when I was in Boston, living in Boston, and I've moved away from Boston, and we text from time to time, but we haven't talked in two years. You want to know how I handle this? Right. Oh wow! Hold on. You, is there a spreadsheet involved? It's not a spreadsheet, <laughs> but but it does involve Google. I have a list of people who are exactly what you're describing right. of people that incredible. were I was close to at one point in life, but now based on whatever I'm not. And you keep a running schedule? No, when? I have a Google Calendar event. <laughs> it's recurring once a month. And all of their names are in there. Right. And then every once a month, I get an email from Google with all their names, and I just pick a couple of them and send them texts. That's good for you. Yeah. That's a good and way to do Google it. Google reminds me every month. Yeah, I have do a you know hard what time I go doing through that. is I, go, I feel the same thing. I feel bad. And then I go, well, crap. Why aren't they texting me? And then I feel great again. Yeah, I know. But sometimes the people text me, and I still don't text them back. That's what I'm bad at. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll text him later. And then I got 90 text messages from Bleacher Report and NBC and a few coaches and whatever else. And then I forget to text them at the end of the day. And then all of a sudden, it's a week. And then all of a sudden, it's two weeks. And I go through my phone. And, and then like, you're embarrassed. Oh, yeah. And then I'm embarrassed. And I'm like, oh. Or I look it up, and I go, oh, damn, I forgot to text You know them what back. the problem is? Yeah. iMessage on the iPhone you can't leave a text marked as unread. You're right. right. You can't go back that is if really you look annoying. at it. Yeah. I agree. It's I think a very annoying. Yeah. I agree. 
Because in Instagram, you can leave Instagram DMs unread. Huh. So that's the reminder for us when we're answering all the Sims of Lefko fans. Right. We go back and, and go to the unread ones. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to spontaneously go through some of the DMs at the end of today's show. Uh, we are going to be saving most of our playoff breakdown for the betting podcast. Four games, $1,600, one champion. One leader in the clubhouse right now. Thy name is Christopher David Sims. You can't just say thy all the time. <laughs> um, no, but we figure we, we're going to do the same amount of time we always do, but we're going to go super heavy on the four games. So today is going to be more what's going on in the in the sports world. We're going to have Phil Sims on as always. We'll get we'll get Phil's. What do you think? His playoff expectations? Sure. Yeah. Let's hear him talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And at the end, that's right. The SLFL champion. Grand champion. Excuse me. Grand First champion. ever out of 392 teams, Enrique Vasquez from what Fresno, up? California, is going to come on and do five minutes. Way to go, Enrique. You the man. E dot, V dot. Yeah. Pretty excited. That's cool. The Who did he beat in the finals, you know? Uh, he was competing against uh, teams all from all 28, all, yeah, 28, all 28 champions competed in one big week. Whoa. And I think he kind of smoked everybody Did by he like really? 20, 30 points. Wow. Yeah, his his final roster right. for that week was Deshaun Watson, Saquon, picked up Damian Williams, who had a huge week, Robert Woods, big game against San Francisco, and Robbie Anderson, Zach Ertz, Jamal Williams, the Dolphins, and Justin Tucker. Before the year, I would not think that's the championship team, but it was for Enrique. Yeah, that's pretty good, though. He had some By good offensive most. guys there. That's fantasy's only offensive guys. Yeah, well, he had the right guys for this week, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. If the 2018-19 season has been one thing, it has really tied up a lot of the loose ends of the Sims and Lefko storyline. You're right. Odell got his contract. We had clamored for years. Aaron Rodgers got his contract. We clamored for years. Everyone, Mike McCarthy, saw his end. Uh, the, the good offenses kind of rose to the top. The Mensch, George Kittle, all these little Number things. Number 70. Number Blake Bortles. Oh, right. how could I miss that one? Yep. The truth finally came out there. Yep. But we have been saying for two to three years that all of the harmful things they hurl at Odell right. should have been focused in Antonio Brown really this entire time. You've actually talked to a lot of people. I have. And me and Josh came in here today and looked at each other and said, he's been talking to Tomlin. <laughs> and then we learned you have not. I have not. No, these are things where... Put on your Schefter hat. Okay. And I, me and Josh are going to rate you from 1 to 10. Okay. I'm now going to toss it over to our embedded reporter, Chris Sims. Team insider. Team insider, Chris Sims. What's going... What happened with Antonio Brown, the Steelers? Well, see, here's the thing, Lefko. Uh, okay. I just wanted to sound... It sounds like that's what they always very do. Very right? That was very South yeah. 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 Uh, then you have to hold up a newspaper because he always does. He, loves the the newspaper. Newspaper. he does love to do that. Outside Look at the front the page of the Inquirer. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Snow it's Foles Mania. Okay, <laughs> he's awesome though. Um, yeah, I mean it is funny, and it's we, we have talked about that so much. Whether we've talked about how Odell gets criticized like greatly for some things, then Antonio Brown could do the same thing or something worse, and it kind of flies under the radar. Um, but yeah, when this all happened and it went down, I started to get some inklings. And yeah, I have connections with people in Pittsburgh. I, you know, it's not just Pittsburgh, but I have a lot of people, uh, ex-players, players, people that are in the organization now. And 
you know, when I first heard the stories, I kind of just, yeah, reached out to a few people just to kind of get a feel because I had heard a few things also from other NFL insiders to where I was like, oh, okay, like, damn, did that really happen? And then I was like, started to text the people that I knew would know. All right. Right. Give me your first juicy nugget. My first. That you found juicy. My, well, my first juicy nugget would be that just, you know, he didn't throw the ball back at Ben. Like, that, like, what, what happened was, from my understanding, they were doing a walkthrough. Antonio missed his hot route during they, they blitzed. He was supposed to turn around and be the hot route. He didn't do it. So my understanding is that Big Ben and the OC kind of said, oh, let's do it again. And Big Ben was walking back to the huddle, and Antonio felt disrespected. Like, he didn't need to redo that. Like, he knows what he's supposed to do, and he was being disrespected. And he kind of flipped the ball back in the area of Big Ben and the coach. But Big Ben has turned around, and it, it wasn't like it was in the air. It was, like, flipped on the ground. Like almost Was like there rolled. any reaction at all? I, that not happened? that I know of. I so haven't maybe heard too that. too much has been made out of that. I think so, it sounds like too much has been made out of that. And that's also why I think I've heard you say, you, we've heard Big Ben say, like, if there was something like that that happened at practice, I certainly wasn't aware of it. Mm. I think he's telling you the truth there. Now, everything I know from there, all right, I talked to, talk to five people, okay? Four of them told me that he missed. He left after that walkthrough on Wednesday, and then he missed Thursday, he missed Friday, and he missed Saturday. Three and days. Three days. One of them said it was just Thursday or Friday and Saturday. Okay. So at four out of the five, though, said it was three days. And they also recommend and, Trident. And Thursday, I think the only contact from what I've got from those four people was just the fact that he let them know he was going to get his knee looked at by another doctor, which is crazy in and itself. And that story did come out Thursday that there was something up with Antonio Brown's knee. Right. And that was sort of the what we thought was the reason he was missing the game. Right. So okay. he did that, which... Like, just for everybody out there, the first thing I would say is, if you're in the city of Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers employ the best doctors, okay? Now, there might be better doctors go somewhere else around the country, around the world, that are more specific to what you want to do, but... More times than not, the top doctors in a city, and if they're not the number one doctor, then the number two doctor, okay, they work for these football teams. Doctor is different than training staff. Doctor is different. Because like you you're talk crap true, about the training staffs. You're getting, yes. No, this is true, like, you know, for a long time, the Giants head doctor was Dr. Uh, Russ Warren, who special worked surgery. at spe- special surgery, yeah. right? James Andrews. Exactly. Is, yeah. Those type of guys, right? Those are the guys that are usually in, 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 in charge like of being that guy on the team. orthopedic surgeon of the Steelers is Dr. Bradley. Right. And I don't know James him. James Bradley, and he's been the doctor there for 28 years. Right. He is the past president of the NFL Physician Society. Okay. So he's pretty good, is what we're seeing there. Okay. Because the NFL is not going to make you the head of the Physician and, Society. And I'm just going to say, yeah. I looked up best Pittsburgh knee doctor, and the first one that popped up was Dr. James Bradley. You can trust a Google search. I mean, you definitely can. when has Google steered me wrong? And it's not even the advertising. So, well, but either way, so there. There's just to the point that he might not be number one, but he's up there. He's okay, so in the your top. Your second nugget was that he wasn't there Friday and Saturday, and Thursday he said, I'm getting something checked. He's getting something checked, and that was it. Now, my next big nugget was the fact third that... Third nugget. Third nugget was the fact that he responded to nobody. And mm. major people within the organization called to try to get in contact with them. We're to, talking coaches. We're talking every big person, I think, within the organization. We're talking Big that- front office people. Maybe the owner. I don't even know. I just know the major people within the Steelers organization all reached out, and it was dark. Right, Silence. Silence. He didn't respond to anybody. 
So then they don't hear from him Friday. They don't hear from him Saturday. Okay, I know this. He came to the game from what I was told to, thinking he was going to play still. Like, like I'm Antonio Brown, Did and I'm going to play. Did any of these people mention that he's done this stuff like this Well, before? that's where I'll get to next. Okay. Because that's probably where I should have. Fourth nugget. Fourth well, I nugget. probably should have started there to set the stage, but I was just acting no, to this. No, I, I like the way you did it. Okay, good. So, but then, so he gets to the field, and from what I was told by these people, too, was when he got to the stadium on Sunday, uniform was in the locker. Like, like. What does that mean? Like, somebody thought he was still going to play. Oh, so that wasn't he. But then he you was don't told uniform. he wasn't going to play. And he went outside in pregame warm-ups and walked around. You've seen the shots with him in his mink coat and everything like that. And then all of these people, and I know Mike Tomlin commented on it today and said that's what he had heard, but he didn't know. But all of these people told me that he left at halftime mm. of the game, right? So Fourth nugget. Not a good look for a guy who's, you know, what, the second highest paid on the player on the football team in a must-win situation where they're yeah. trying to go to the playoffs. Just not cool. Um, I mean, if the team was upset that Le'Veon didn't show up, I mean, they got to be uh, completely furious that the, Antonio Brown left them I mean, like this, right? I mean, they're paying him. I like, haven't heard one offensive lineman come forward yet. Yeah, you're right. So, but this is so. This was the 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 juice. I think this might have been the juiciest nugget. Fifth nugget. Yes, the juiciest, juiciest of them all, all. <laughs> is juicy nugget is a pretty good fantasy team. When sure. I reached <laughs> out to these people, okay, all but one. Because I told you, I heard the stories, then I started to call people that I knew would know and texted a few. Dude. Right? Sim Schefter. Working the phones. <laughs> well, it is the kind of story I didn't want to dance on with a microphone and go, and like, I just honest. heard from one guy, and I'm going to just go with that. Let's be honest. Right. Antonio Brown's actions have kind of annoyed you for a long time. Well, it, it it's annoyed me that he gets away with it, and Odell doesn't. Yes. Or, you know what bothers me always in the media. When one guy gets, like, just absolutely... Same thing with Kirk Cousins right, right now. Pillaged. And not Matt Ryan. Right, and exactly right. Same thing. That's where I just go crazy, because I go, oh, wait, this guy has to abide by these standards, but this guy has a different set of standards for some reason. But back to my fifth point, nugget. the fifth nugget it's so juicy. is that <laughs> when I reached out to these people, four out of the five, the first thing they responded with, right, when I was just saying, what did you hear about this Antonio thing? Their first texts were all, well, listen, this has been going on with Antonio Brown for years, this kind of stuff. It was all, it, They all started out with that. He's always late for meetings. He works his ass off, but he only cares about himself and his stats. He really could care less about anything else with the team. And that which has been painfully clear. Right. And then I had somebody else text me and say like he was like, "Bro, I mean, our 8 a.m. team meeting every every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they were like, Antonio is late for that meeting nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. So four out of five say right. he's late nine out of ten. Yeah. So there you go. That means like 19 out of 20 times. <laughs> I'm going to give right. you a 9 out of 10 on your investigative journalism there. Thank you. Mostly the uh, clarification of how many of the five yeah, sources said certain things, yeah. that really hit the nail on the head. That's yeah. journalism 101 stuff right, right so there. Now so now I'm going to pretend like I'm the, the, the host, and then you're going to be my embedded reporter. Gotcha. This will be a follow-up question okay, to the yep, business. Yep. Don't know if you know about this. Gotcha. Wow. Really interesting information there. Great Sims. reporting. Question is, how did it get to this point? Who enabled this kind of behavior? Well, the things I'm hearing from my sources, Adam. Yeah. Is that the proper way to answer that? That's okay. <laughs> um, how did it get to this point? Yeah, you because know, that, that would be my first question is, why has this been allowed to go on for this long? Well, 
you know, despite what anybody says, there's different rules within the locker room. Okay, there's different. Even for Bill Belichick, he could say all he wants, but Tom Brady gets to do things that the other guys in the organization don't. Give I mean, me one thing: that whether Tom it's Brady miss does. a Wednesday practice or take a day off for personal things, whatever it may be. Now he's holds it very true to the most he can possibly do. Okay, I, I so Bill is still the king of keeping everybody pretty much on an equal yeah. playing field, but yes, in the NFL coaching world. You know, the guy who's getting paid the most and performing on the field and is the guy, damn, yeah, they get away with shit. There's just no other way to say it. He's the fucking man. Nobody was going to pity pinch Antonio Brown and be like, you're 30 seconds late for our wide receiver meeting. He was going to be like, they're just it's not worth it. And, the, and they know he loves football and whatever else. So do those the, things do the get Steelers, swept on the rugs sometimes. Do the Steelers... How did... Lawrence Taylor make it with the New York Giants. But do the Steelers Coaches. do the Steelers still like Antonio Brown? From your people you talk to, do you think he's well regarded in that locker room? Mm, I think it's kind of like in between. I think he's respected because he, when the lights come on, he balls and he puts in the work. But I don't think people look at him as like the best team in the world. No, mm. I don't think that's no. Do you think they like? Do you think Ben actually likes him? Um. Yeah, I mean, just enough. I don't. I don't think they're like breaking bread together or having Thanksgiving dinner, but they they like each other enough to where they can make it work on a football field. I don't have much knowledge of that situation, uh, just as far as that personal yeah. relationship. But Ben's handling it the proper way and saying and doing all the right things. What do you say to people that go, "This is another example of Tomlin not having control over the locker"? Room. Yeah, that's ridiculous. First of all, he didn't draft Antonio Brown. Okay, he's not the one that re-signed him and gave him all the money either. He just coaches the football team. So there's other powers to be in that organization that have empowered Antonio Brown. You know, now, you know, could can uh Mike Tomlin have maybe handled a few situations a little differently or maybe been more stern with him and at the get-go to stop some of these things? Okay, maybe sure. Yeah, I I, I hear that. Um but either way, it shouldn't always be about Mike Tomlin, because it just it doesn't always fall under his watch with every player when he's just the coach and he's not the GM or the guy that has final say on the fifty-three. I have like such a hard time with media people saying that a head coach is not disciplined enough. It's it, like I, I saw it today people talking about Mike Tomlin and just coming out and attacking the culture that he's built there. And you're right, like he didn't make the decision to pay Antonio Brown. And I'd also say to those same media people. The same ones that celebrated Antonio Brown twerking in the end zone. The same ones that loved him on Snapchat, driving around the Maybach, saying booming all the time. Right. The media and the fans built Antonio Brown. And they built him because he's a wide receiver, and we loved the diva qualities. Yeah. We loved all the jewels, and we loved all the cars, and we loved all the celebrations, and we let him get away with it, in my mind, because he was not a high-drafted guy. He was not out of a big school. He did not get a lot of money for the first few years. And we kind of looked at him as, oh, isn't this adorable? But Odell, who came from the big school. And And he gives you the fantasy stats. And he gives you the fantasy stats. But And he played for Pittsburgh, which everyone that pays for Pittsburgh is blue collar. Right. But I think we built this diva. And now we're sitting here going, I can't believe he's a diva. Look, here are the things that happened with Antonio Brown since the end of the 2017 season. This is on the Steelers Reddit by a guy, AFT Ryan. I'm and just this is read... just the end of the 2017 season. So this is no... Hold on, can I show you? Yeah. 
So it's a it's a healthy sized Reddit whoa. post. So that's no Facebook Live from the locker room yet. That's okay. already happened, right? All right. Here yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna, gonna read a few them of them. Off. Yeah. Uh, Brown skipped most of OTAs after he saw Roethlisberger wasn't there. Roethlisberger later admitted he had a pre-planned family vacation during the optional practices. Brown slammed the media on the first day of mandatory minicamp, asking, "I'm playing football to make a lot of money, or am I just playing football to take care of my family?" Brown showed up at helicopter to training camp. I don't have a big idea with that. Brown disappeared for a week during training camp. Tomlin claimed that he had been sent to Pittsburgh for medical tests, but Brown was filmed in a pool in Miami. Brown reportedly called Bichette a racist after Bichette, a, a reporter, tweeted that Brown was limping Ed at Bouchette. training camp. Right. Uh, Brown showed up more than four hours late to an event at a children's hospital, offering no explanation. Brown makes a joke in a GQ article about cheating on his girlfriend and mother of his children, saying, quote, it's kind of hard to keep it in my pants. Brown threatened to assault ESPN's undefeated reporter, Jesse Washington, saying, quote, wait till I see you, bro. We're going to see what your jaw like. Brown was spotted by CBS cameras, hugging former Browns OC Todd Haley during a game against Cleveland. He was then caught bragging about reaching 10,000 career receiving yards to Haley on Team Snapchat. Brown was seen yelling at offensive coordinator Randy Fickner, Fickner and wide receivers coach Daryl Drake on the sideline. He mm-hmm. then left his locker room before media could ask him about it during the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Brown tweeted, trade me, let's find out. I mean, this is unbelievable. Like, all of these. Brown was sued for trashing his Florida apartment, claimed he had $80,000 in cash and guns stolen from him. He was also sued for tossing furniture from the 14th floor of an apartment building, nearly hitting and potentially killing a 22-month-old toddler. I mean, this is unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. And they can't do anything. No. Because of his salary. That's the because biggest thing Because if they trade all. him or cut him, it's $21 million of dead money. Right. Guess what, guys? What? If they trade or cut him after next season, it's $17 million. They They can't do anything with Antonio Brown for two years yeah. because they've already paid him, you yes. told me earlier. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've already paid him. Well, they don't... They don't, They give you signing bonuses in Pittsburgh. This is a part of the issue with Le'Veon Bell. Time out. Not every team gives signing bonuses? No, they do, but they don't give you big lump sums of guaranteed money is what I'm saying, right? So you might get something when you sign, but Antonio Brown's guaranteed money for his contract was $19 million, right? It was nothing. We've talked about that when Odell Beckham Jr. signed. Right. It was nothing. So the $19 million was given to him almost all right away. So then there's nothing else on the hook. So there's nothing they can withhold from the team. So there's an issue they have with the structuring of their contracts where they're going to learn now going forward to go, we better be careful about doing this in the future because unlike a Leonard Fournette who we're seeing broke rules and hasn't been given some of his money or things like that, the, the Jaguars are going to go, well, you broke some rules. We're going to hold back. We don't have to give you some of these guarantees. Or we can void guarantees or things like that. His guarantees have been given, so there's nothing to void. I can't believe that... Different teams structure contracts in different ways. Yeah, they don't believe in guaranteed money, the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. really. That's, so that's not just, one of their things. It's just an organizational philosophy. It thing. is an organizational philosophy. But yeah, so then they have that, but then they restructured his deal because they've been in salary cap hell for it seems like my whole lifetime now. Yeah. And they then had to move money around, give him another lump sum. So that's increased what his dead money is. So even if they cut him or, like you said, trade him to another team. Which is what I first thought, like, oh, well, if they trade them to another team, those dead money won't count. Yeah. No, it's going to count against them. And they can post wow. June 1st, make it happen, but that still would go, they would have to split the $21 million What happens, if, what happens if Antonio Brown said, I'm not coming in? Then he's going to be in trouble because then they can hold, then oh, so they'll be able to it. hold game checks 
And they'll be able to ask for parts of the signing bonus back because the signing bonus is about the length of the contract as well. It's lumped so in with Pittsburgh the lump sum. in a weird way. Kind of has the power here. Antonio Brown pulls a levy on Or Bell. if he does, yes. But I mean, or Pittsburgh's in a weird way, just hoping Antonio Brown maybe matures a little bit because they're. Well, course, that's the best right. thing for them. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is the issue they're in, and that's why. I mean, I would be shocked if he's not back because $21 million for everybody out there is like four quality starters on your football team. I mean, I want to I say this. At least three. I don't think Antonio Brown is a bad guy. I don't think so either. I think he's in a mixed up, confused place for like the last two years. What I believe that place is, it's when you make it yeah. and you think it's going to be a certain way and you realize that it's not. Yeah. I think Antonio Brown was like, I want my respect. And he wanted to get the big deal. And then when he got it and he realized that life doesn't change that much, yeah. it's still the same responsibilities. You have to lead by example. If not, there's more eyeballs on you now. And I just, I don't think he was ready for the responsibility. You know, I think Antonio Very Brown for real. much of his career was like a number two. And then he became the number one. He said, You can't tell me nothing. I'm the number one. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be paid more than my bosses. That's right. It's weird. Right? It's got to be weird to go in and go, I make more than you. I make more than you. The entire city loves me. They don't got jerseys with your name on the back. And it, that's why it takes certain guys to yeah. be able to hold those positions. So, and I th- the, Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. no. I, was, I had nothing. I was going to keep talking for no reason. Oh, well, I was going to say, one of the guys <laughs> um, told me that that was when when they said to redo the play. He felt like disrespected, and I don't get enough love here in Pittsburgh. Which I immediately thought when I heard that, did that have something to do with Juju Smith-Schuster getting the MVP voting for the team? Right. Oh, that was a story that came out too that Juju got it. Right. So that also just went through my brain. I don't know anything about that. By I'm the just way, throwing by out the food way, for thought on this stuff. All the NFL reporters that are going, man, maybe Juju's better than Antonio. Yeah, you heard it here first. That's fine. Yeah, like five weeks. It's ago. very close. Exactly right. Right. I mean, it's it's really damn close. So you think maybe there's a chance that Juju's emergence is scaring the ego of Antonio Well, Brown. and maybe he just maybe feels, yeah. It's very, very right. fair. Could be, certainly. But I'm just, I'm just throwing out that I don't know that part of it, but I know those were some words that were used by one of the p- p- people I talk about. And then, hey, I, I've always told you this, and this came up again in conversation with a few of these people too yesterday, where, you know, I don't think everybody in the Pittsburgh organization and the team thinks he's the superstar he thinks he is. Mm. You know, that's what came up with two people I talked to yesterday. They were like, come on, man. He wouldn't be. A, I mean, if he didn't have Big Ben, he wouldn't be who he is. You know, that's what there's. So there's the, that faction there, too. And I'm sure he probably hears that sometimes. Of course he does. So that's probably adds to the disrespect thing, too. But yeah. Sims, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL said that Ben Roethlisberger is not a Hall of Famer and Eli is. There is a perception with A.B. being the number one wide receiver taken in fantasy the last five or six years that A.B. makes Ben and Ben doesn't make A.B. Because you know what kind of a quarterback Ben is in fantasy? Fendrick, what round would you take Ben Roethlisberger in fantasy? Eighth. Twelfth? Yeah. Twelfth? He's not that great of a fantasy quarterback because he'll put up, you know, 280, two touchdowns. But guess who catches those two touchdowns? Yeah, right. Antonio Brown. Right. And they go, oh, he made him. Right. 
Yeah, Cam Jordan said that about Ben. Dude, I so I went off on it on the the NBC show this morning, right? I would argue that Big Ben, and let's ask Big fucking Phil in a few minutes when he comes on. I would argue Big Ben is in the conversation for one of the ten greatest quarterbacks of all time. I would argue he's there in that convo. Not saying he's definitely there. I'm just saying if somebody came to me and was like, I think Ben's the ninth best quarterback of all time, I would go. It's not crazy. No, I, I hear what you're saying. But as I'm, we're talking about this today on the NBC show, I'm literally also talking about Ben Roethlisberger, and they're showing highlights of Antonio Brown. And on every one of them, he's covered, and the ball is just dropped in his hands. And I go, look, I mean, I go, this is kind of what I'm talking about, though. I mean, look at it. every throw we're looking at here. It's just in his hands, in his hands. Oh, somebody's swiping at the ball. Oh, it's an inch farther than the swipe. In his hands. I mean, it's just, when I watch film on a weekly basis, man, I go wow a lot. I really do. Gotta and call Phil. That's all I gotta say. Oh, we're doing that now. It's Phil time. Uh, dude, I had no idea what time we started this podcast. 410. Nice. Oh, right, let's call Phil, Phil. Phil. Sims investigative journalism was so impressive, you lost track of time. I did. Well, the Steelers are, you know, fascinating one team. of the rare teams that have the stars at multiple positions. And you actually can see their egos at play. Yeah. You know? And, and also, we've been covering these guys for so long that we know them so well. Right. I know. There's just That doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. No. And, I mean, I mean, he's... Hello? Hey, hey there, buddy. Oh, who's this? Uh, your favorite friends in the world. Oh, really? That uh, get in touch with me about once a month? He was... Oh, wait. I forgot to tell you guys this. <clears throat> I forgot to tell you this. Was Phil butthurt about something? So yesterday, no, no, no. Yes, it was yesterday. We're on the phone, and he's like, "What? I mean, you guys haven't called me for the podcast in a long time." He was like, "He was, he was disappointed." And I was like, "What's well, only been like one week?" And he's like, "Nope, nope, nope. Been longer than that." I was like, "You're right. It's been two. And so he was. He's he likes us. He well, I'd like to formally apologize. Is that, hey, wait, is, is that how I talk? Uh, it, it is. Yep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Phil, I need to tell you that when I see you on TV and you lean in on like James Brown and say he gets nervous as hell. But I mean, when you lean over and go, if you come over and watch film with me, and I'm like, man, I go, Phil, if someone ever took you up on that offer, because you <laughs> offer that to everybody. What's that? You offer that to everybody. Oh, I've had a few people come over. Really? And, and I'll sit there. I got. I carry my iPad with me, and then I show them something. They go, oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, of course you didn't. Who have you brought over to show film to? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you off the thing. I don't want to tell you on. Um, oh, okay. Chris, you, you'll know him very well. Okay, cool. But, you know, I used to... You, you yeah, know, he's had some TV this, personalities come by. He's had a few people that have come by and hung out with Dad for a day to learn yeah, football. Yeah, school him. Right. Know? Yeah, that's what it's about. You so, know, it's, but, you know, I used to do... And years ago, when I was working with Greg Gumbel, uh, when I first got to CBS, we didn't have all this technology, so I couldn't watch any film or anything... Uh, you know, I would take the game if one was on, whatever. But we could only watch practice on Friday, and then I would have to sit in there in one of the film rooms, right. and I'd watch tape. That's the only way you could get that information. That's right. And Greg Gumbel and Armin Katam was our sideline reporter, and, you know, they hated it. They had to come in and sit down, how long are we going to watch this? But, it, after, but after about one hour, Greg Gumbel would always say to me, man, he goes, this is so different. I feel totally different about each team and these players after watching it this way. And I said, yes, TV lies. Right. So you have to watch it sometimes to get the real truth because it's just a, it's a whole different 
dimension. Adam, you know it. I'm sure Christopher's got you over, showed you things, and you yep. go, I didn't know that. Oh, I think for me, the biggest eye opener that Sims taught me was there was a year, I think about three years ago, where everybody was saying that Jason Kelsey sucked the center for the Eagles and Sim and Chris angrily put on the film and we watched like a game where Jason Kelsey was doing everything. But what happens is what happens, Phil? They let up a lot of sacks as a line and then they've already blamed this guy. So they got to blame somebody new. And then they asked him to do something unrealistic then that one sack gets replayed on right. all the highlight right. shows and now he's the reason yeah and what, what what year who was the quarterback when they were giving up all these sacks no i, I think it was it the was, first year of the, carson wentz i think it might have been it might have been that first year right yeah and they, were, okay. they were just getting on the offensive line yeah, and lefko was always tied into the philly you know yeah, yeah so you know, that's, that's amazing I, I it would never even cross my mind to think it that. was chris chris put on one highlight where they asked kelsey oh. to to snap and then get on the outside shoulder of Indomitian Sue two <laughs> gaps down yeah and and chris i think the strength that chris always has is he goes what it's not fair for them to ask him to do this. And no. that's the number one thing when I hear people say they watch film. I don't think people even understand what football players' responsibilities are on a play and whether or not that's feasible like or not. people blaming Anthony Barr for not covering Robert Woods when right. the real story was, why is he even covering Robert yes. Woods? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going, first off, when you give him that responsibility, you... I'm not going to say you should be fired, but I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, you've messed up. You've asked a player to do something that he realistically can't do. I don't know what game I was watching last week. Some, you know, I, I don't know. Watch, try to watch them all on Sundays and rewatch them during the week. But I'm watching the game. I said, "Wow, that was a good rush by so and so. He killed the quarterback." And then I go, "Oh, oh yeah." And then I changed my mind completely. It was he was doing it against a tight end. Right, you know, great defensive end pass rusher being blocked by a tight end. Oh yeah, that's going to work. I, mean, I would love to know, like, oh. some of the to, to reduce the statistics and go how many of JPP sacks were on tight ends, just just to see, you know, that those should be called coaching sacks. Yeah, you're, they're right. They should be coaching sacks. It should not be on the offensive line. It's a West Coast thing, that kind yeah, of stuff. Oh my gosh! So West Coast, you'll never see New England Patriots. Let's have the running back block him, and we'll pull the tight end over, and we'll double team him. Right. And of course, any good pass rusher just runs right through them like they're just Swiss cheese. Yeah. It looks good and on I the chalkboard too, which I love. Right. So one thing I've learned about the Sims family is that a lot of traditional holidays don't mean as much to you guys. You don't subscribe <laughs> to Valentine's Day. You're not a huge fan of birthdays. Birthdays, perfect. Thank you, Phil. I wasn't even going to say that, but that's great. What does Phil Sims do on New Year's? What did I do on New Year's? Was that yesterday? Yeah. Did you get- <laughs> I worked. What, I, I really what about New Year's Eve? Yeah. What, what about New Year's Eve when it's like ten? They, they were trying to get him to go to a little lake club in our town Christmas Eve. This is the, our New Year's Eve. And I know he was already throwing a fit because my mom and sister told me. So did he make it there? I don't know. Did you make no, it to the Indian Trail Club? No, no, okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm with Phil here. If I'm Phil Sims, I'm not going to the local lake club because you know what's going to happen as yeah. the ball's hitting zero? Right. I'm going to have a group of 12 men in their 50s asking me about like the, my tight end and my running back from back in the day, and I'm going to want to be in – am I right, Phil? Well, yeah, you know, that's not it. it, it one, okay. I'm not going to stay out till 12. And the week is, you know, as you guys know, doing all your work and 
Christopher, you know what I, yeah. I try to watch the games because I want to know so the great. answers. Good. And you guys are a exciting. slave so to Monday film. It's a work day. If it's a work day, okay. I'm not going to let it really interfere with what I got to do because once I I'm once Phil, I get behind, Phil, Phil, I really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you stress, Phil. And, I yeah, look. I want to be on top, you know. When this is I want to relax at the end of the week because I get my work done. Soon. Phil, your right. son just said to me that his one New Year's resolution would to not allow work to be the stressor that dominates his life, and I'm realizing this is a generational <laughs> thing that you're passing down. <laughs> that both of you every day wake up and go, "Crap, I still have five more games to watch." Yeah, no, yeah. no, I don't wake up. This that is insane. Way. Why do you do? This. I, I wake up and go, man, I, I really can't go wait to go watch that game and see what really went on. Mm. I'm watching the Cleveland Browns right now play the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm just going, ooh, this is interesting or whatever. So, And I couldn't wait to do it. I watched the game they played against each other, the Chargers and um, yeah, the, the uh, Ravens. Shoot, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched that for a second time and went, man, it was really a fascinating game. Can't yeah. wait to talk about it. So much to talk about, you never get through it, but whatever. So, But I I don't wake up stressing. I wake wake up looking forward to it. Mm. But when something disrupts it and ruins the day, then I stress. I get but, mad. But, but Phil, every day has disruptions. Hey, hey Adam. Not when you're on Chateau Day Sims and Fractal Lakes. <laughs> you what? what did you say? I said not. Well, you have less distractions because you're at Chateau Day Sims and you get to go sneak away into your uh, office up there. Well, no, hot- my office is up in upstairs now. Yeah, that's right. So I haven't I even seen it yet. Separate, go out to the other house. You know, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked out there today and go, man, that big old office being unused is driving me crazy. Damn, I'm like that. Yeah, you no. guys are psychopaths. You want to rent it out, well, but Dad, I don't know what the heck I was getting ready to say, but it was. Um, it was. It was. But you're great. relieved like me that it's playoffs and you know there won't be as much film to watch, right? Hey, you know what's great? I'm not going to watch the Arizona Cardinals this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. The hell with them. <laughs> I know. But there were certain bad teams, like I, I even said on CBS, I think you said it, Christopher. I just said, I always watch Buffalo because Josh Allen, man, it was just, uh, you know, you had yeah, to watch him. Right. All right. You so know, let me ask you, Phil, of the four games, what is something that you've learned from your film about one of the four games that you think no one's talking about right now that could be a really good, juicy nugget? Oh, I'm, I'm not even near that point yet to say that uh, oh. because I'm really just I, – I, I would say I've only really accomplished the Chargers and the Ravens. And All right, well, game, let's talk about game that game. On CBS, so I'm spending extra time on it. And, you know, by the time we get on the air, two of those games are going to be over. So I'm going to watch them superficially mm. myself. And then, of course, I'll watch them. And I'll have, have you know, if we, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Sunday a little. I, we'll get a little comment a bit, um, on it, but it won't be anything in-depth. So I'm not going to crush myself on Cowboy film, which I kind of yeah. know anyway, and right. Philadelphia film, or any of those, some of those teams, because I already know them. I know them well. So. Where, do you, where do you, all right, so since you're going to be on Sunday at 1 for maybe the game of the weekend with Chargers-Ravens. It's honestly, me and Chris were talking about earlier, yeah, the most confusing pumped. game. Yeah. I don't know which way to go on that one, but what were you saying, Chris? Well, I was just going to say the Saturday games. Like, I'm not saying you got to pick them right now. I didn't even see Showtime, you're inside the NFL show yet. Oh, well, it was, it was, a, it was a 
train wreck, so you didn't miss anything. So, <laughs> so, but, but, so where are you leaning? Just give me a clue here. Where are you leaning with Colts-Texans? I'm leaning Colts right now, just so you know that. So am I. I'm leaning Colts. They got the offensive line we know about, all that. I like their defense. The one thing that worries me, their defense has a lot of young guys, and, you know, I call them car chasers. Yeah, that's right. Moves, like, oh, yeah. oh, I got to go get it. Right. They go right. get it, and then yeah. the ball goes the other way. They go, oh, stop, <laughs> yeah. run, and try to catch up. Right. So that, that's, a, that's kind of a big issue, and I'm going to watch the Titans game of the Colts just to see, well, gosh, the Titans offense, what am I going to learn watching it? So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there was not any of these things that would confuse a defense, so it made it easy on them. You're right. But, um, so, yeah, I'm leaning to the Colts just because of their offensive line. You can throw it down the field on the Texans. Everybody's doing it. Yep. And, and I just say it this way, and, and I think I said it on air last week. I'm not sure. The, the Houston Texans, they have stars. And they do. They got stars. Yes. The problem is they don't have enough supporting actors. Right. Yeah. And right. and that's kind of how I look at them. It's great pass rush. You got these guys. Well, what if they don't get there? Then we get shredded. You know. Right. You know what, what my thing Sean is too with that game. Make people miss and make the throw. Yeah. And there's nothing there. Right. You know? I would also say this. Let's just break it down. Better offensive line. Colts. Better quarterback right now. I would pick Andrew Luck. Mm. Better head coach. I would go Reich. Better defensive coordinator. I would go Eberflus. Better wide receiving core, I would go Houston, I think. Oh, I don't know. Really? You know I don't know. because the Colts are a sneaky receiving core? I think if you're including tight ends and pass-catching running backs, don't, don't then I would go Chester Colts, Chester Rogers, too. though. He's a little better okay. than he gets credit for. I, I, yeah, you know. I like, Defensive I like line. Too. I, Defensive I like line. Head. Texans. Linebackers. You can make an argument for the Colts. Different styles, but Secondary, you're right. I would say probably the Texans. Texans yeah. have more talent. Their scheme yeah. is maybe not. But I think, as, as Chris always says, close. the big strength of the Texans is dominating you with their front four. And as we've seen from the Colts twice against the Texans and against every team in the NFL, you're not going to dominate them. That's right. You, you know, the other thing is, too, J.J. Watt is a great pass rusher. And sometimes, to me, like all great pass rushers, I, I, he, when he plays outside, there's too many plays that get made inside. Yeah. And, but when he plays inside, I, I love him when he lines up inside to rush the passer because now he's not going to create a, a, draw, a lane that you can run draws in, that you can run in, or right. you can throw screens behind him. Sure. So you know you're going wide when you see screens going behind a, the outside pass rusher. But, you, you know, they – if they don't get there, then the, just I've watched too much of their tape. The success rate is extremely high against yep. that defense, and you, you've said it. Their pass protection's awesome, yeah. And it, it's it's a, it's one of those games. Houston's Deshaun better at home. Watson is an extreme big time wild card. Yes, right. Yes. I mean, he that's, could, you know, he could hey, take over he games. He might get sacked six times. Or he might throw four touchdowns and throw for 400 yards. Who knows? Yeah, All right. right. I want to ask you, I know you want to do the Saturday night game. I really want to know, Phil, what's your feeling then about Ravens Chargers? Like, what's your gut telling you having watched a bunch of film already? Well, it kind of goes both ways. The, the Ravens defense is borderline spectacular. Um, really? I, I can't really say anything bad about it. I used to say if they just had one speed edge rusher, right. that's kind of changing. Zadarius Smith, number 90, he's kind of turned into a guy that can make moves, shoot even their big guys inside. But their scheme is tremendous. 
And, of course, they, I think them, the, the Ravens and the Patriots, have the two best secondaries in football. Mm. But I'll tell you, the Chargers got a really good secondary, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right up there. And the Chargers, Brandon Meebane, that would be the thing to, that I look at. Brandon Meebane, you look at that game they played out there. What, what was your, what's your first thought about when, when they played out there? Um, Adam, Adam, tell me, what would you think? I think you, it, you think about that game when the Chargers and Ravens played, what do you think? Did, did the Ravens just dominate the whole game? No, I think when I really look back at it. They didn't dominate they, as much as I no. thought they would, just right, physically pushing them go. away. Right. That's it's, it. It's just Sims interrupting. When you watch it, you just go. No, no, if you really think about it, I mean, like, hold on, just break it down to this. Yeah. That fumble recovered for a touchdown. Yeah. The Chargers were driving down to possibly take the lead. Right. That was happening. Right. That's Har- where it was Harbaugh in the game. should have took the safety, and they should have punted it away. Remember? that? And, but yes, you're right. That's yes. exactly right. Right. I don't think they would have scored going down. Okay, gotcha. I, I, I just don't. I just, but I also I said this to Chris and, earlier. There was Keenan Allen got hurt early in that game, and there was no Melvin Gordon, and Austin Eckler missed the game, too. Yeah. Here's the, here's the other thing, too, that really caught me by surprise. You take away, like any game, but it, it really stood out. There's like only four plays that really stand out from the Ravens' offense in that game. Right. And you the touchdown to the tight end. At the beginning of the game, they get a couple big runs. Yep. The big throw to, who was that, Andrews on Lamar, the top? Yeah, Andrews. Yep. Yep. You take that out, and I mean, there's a lot of a lot of couple yards, this, that, Lamar Jackson, I would, yeah. guys were covered. It's, it's, that part is going to be really interesting to me, the Chargers' defense how the, what they learned, not that they learned, they, they played really well mm. against the Ravens the first time. I think they probably go think they can even do better. Phil? And I would make, which they did, make Lamar Jackson throw the football, keep him in the pocket, but make him throw against man-to-man coverage. That's it. Make him make tight throws. That's, that's kind of what the Patriots have always done against certain quarterbacks. Can you complete the pass against man-to-man coverage? And their defensive backs are good enough to stay on the receivers, that's for sure. Yeah. So are, it, it, are my Philadelphia Eagles poised for another magical run? <laughs> it's not going to be on the film, Phil. There's nothing for you to see. There's no statistics for you to look up. There's no well, film to watch. It's no, magic. Look at those dumb numbers. It's magic. Hey, they're good on the red zone and this. Oh yeah, the third down there. You can play. Oh, I love that. I, one of my Phil, favorite things. Situational. They got to be good in situational football. We're what talking the, the spirit. I don't know. What's that mean? We're talking the spirit of magic. The spirit of magic. Ooh. Well, as you know. That's the old thing. Emotion's great until you get smacked in the face. Then you got to play. I don't know. So it'll be interesting. Um, Both of I you don't are. I think the Chicago uh, offense is dynamic enough to really pull away right. from the Eagles. Yeah, I don't. Nice. And I think the Eagles are what's the word for it? Cute enough on offense to get rid of the football, which they do very quickly, yes. and they are very happy to throw for four-yard gains the whole game if they have to. You know what I thought about you, Dad, when I watched that film? Just hey, to bring... Which one? Philadelphia? Yeah, Philadelphia on offense. I haven't I... watched it yet. I can't wait because I know what it's going to be, even though I didn't even watch it on Sunday. Yeah, it's not pretty, but I'll, I'll say this. It, it is something I'm going to give you credit for that we've talked about a little bit over the last few weeks. 
The one thing that I think about the Philadelphia Eagles that I do like, and they've changed this since Carson Wentz, which is, it still pisses me off. That's why I'm rooting against you guys because Fuck you me. guys changed your game plan once the better quarterback got hurt. Uh, is they have become, like you said, not afraid of third and two. Yep. And that is, there's only a few teams in football that are not afraid of that. They're not afraid to be in the situation of third and two. And what Dad's point is when we had this conversation a few weeks ago, and he's spot on because this is New England and it's the New Orleans Saints, they don't panic when it's second and nine and go, we got to throw an 11-yard completion and get the first down. (laughs) They go, let's run it up the middle again and get four yards, and maybe we'll get into third and five or third and four. Or let's throw a wide receiver screen and get to third and second. And then just third and two, and we go and we watch Brady, and we go, they're never going to stop New England on third and two. I mean, they can do whatever. They want, right? How many times yeah. have we sat together and watched a game and said that? That's oh the one gosh. thing I like because about your Eagle the team they've been doing. Plays it's for teams like Philadelphia, New England, all that. They have so many ways to because they're tight end and running back based. for half sure. a beat, and there they go with a four yard or six yard gain or whatever right. in those situations. Right. That's that, so. Yeah, you're, you're you're so right. They're not afraid of all those situations, and also. I, I got to give him, you know, yeah. Doug Peterson. I, I've never seen. He just sits over there. It's fourth and one on your own forty. Yeah, we're going for it here. Well, let me get a play. <laughs> I mean, he just looks at that sheet. He doesn't even like. I think the doesn't whole team blink. expects to go for it. Right. Always on fourth down. I, I know they don't, but I've never seen. I don't think I've seen a coach be so blatantly unafraid of the consequences as I have Doug Peterson. It's because they've already died. It's the second year in a row, the season hopes died, and they go, we're playing with house money. What? Who cares if we don't get it? Well, you know, too, it's easier now to call all these plays on fourth yes. down with that Super Bowl trophy in his back pocket, mm, too. That, that so, is. All right, know, Chris, is, Chris is yelling at us. He has one more because, man, we're getting a lot of fill this week, and I love it. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what, what's the other one? We were talking about... All right, just tell oh, us. Oh, yeah, no, no. First of all, who you lean in Seattle, Dallas? Because the fans are going to go, wait, he talked about three games. You didn't oh, like... I'm, leaning, I'm leaning towards the Dallas Cowboys okay. down there. Right. I think the Dallas Cowboys are one of those teams, just like we saw against the Saints, they can be so high and so emotional at home. Yeah. And, you know, their crowd, I give them credit, man. But that, right. their, their crowd can get into it, and that definitely will be a factor. And, and we're talking about. You know, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, there's a lot to like, and it's it's an unbelievable job by Pete Carroll. I thought they'd win four or five games, and here they are in the playoffs. Right. And the way they've done it, but hey, their offensive line is still what it is, and they they don't stop to run great. I just think there's there's too many. They're not good on the road. That work, yeah. That works for them at home. Right. They're not going to work when they go away from. So I, I think the Cowboys will win. I thought it was awesome. I saw you this morning, Christopher, showing Dak Prescott's touchdown throw. Right. I mean, it, the more I look, I just said, wow, that was really great. I it don't, was. And, and, but they don't give him enough chances to be that guy either. Right. He's a young quarterback playing, you know, run, run. It's third and six. Now make the throw. Yeah, he's playing 1989 Giants football like you well, did. No, 1990. 1990, right. Yeah, 1990. <laughs> but, yeah, but look, I, I was older. I mean, okay, third and five, here we are again. You know, yep. it was a different world. So don't worry. We picked up third downs at an unbelievable rate that year because we were definitely not afraid of going run, run, pass. Right. But when you do that to a young quarterback, that is truly unfair. You've yes. got to keep him in the game at all times, give him easy completions, move him around, all that stuff. 
And, you know, I, I really believe the Cowboys will. Of course, they're going to run it hard, but I think they're slowly evolving, realizing, hey, man, we, we just can't win this way. We've got to have a little give here and give our margin of of error, we got to make it bigger. And I yeah, think they've right. done that. And it, yeah. was really, it was really fun to see Dak Prescott hit to throw the football 40 times. It was. Phil, Chris has an all-time quarterback question for you. Yeah, it's my last, last thing. Well, I, you know, we were talking about Antonio Brown and the Big Ben situation, right? Right. 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 And, you know, of course, Antonio Brown's awesome. I'm not trying to take away from that. But I'm, I also, you know, I do try to explain to the listeners how awesome Big Ben is. And maybe I'm wrong here with your – I don't even know what you're going to say here. But I do believe Big Ben is awesome. I think because he's, you know, had some bad moments of looking like a jerk off the field, that people don't really evaluate what he does on the field. And I said to Lefko that I would argue that Big Ben is in the conversation for one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm saying he might not be number, you know, but if somebody came to me and said, hey, I think Big Ben's the ninth best quarterback of all time, I'd go, that's not crazy. I could live with that. And I just wanted to hear what you thought about Big Ben just career-wise and kind of where he stacks up. Well, I don't know if I'd put him in the top 10 because I'd have to think about that, but it would be in the top 15 for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that people don't, yes, people don't give him the credit he deserves. He's, like I've always said, he is a passer and a thrower. He is unbelievable touch. He is graceful for a big old guy, and he is a big dude. But he's a beautiful, graceful thrower of the football. He throws the football to Antonio Brown all the time. You know it, I know it into double coverage, but he makes the perfect throw. They complete it. And, you go, and I just sit there and go, why would he even look at him when he knew he was double teamed? Because he knew there was going to be a little window there, and he could drop it in there. Right. And So that. But when he needs to, he can turn on the power, and he's an older quarterback. Yes, he's not mobile, but the difference is he can stand there. And, you know, I heard it too many times doing games. Defensive linemen telling me, Hey, man, when you hit Roethlisberger now, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> right. Really? Is it really goes, oh, man, it's like, you know, you run into, you think you're running into another D lineman out there. And he can stand in the pocket and literally take his left hand and kind of hold somebody off as he's right. knocking his right arm back to throw it. I right. mean, it's, I've never seen anything like it. And his, he's pinpoint accurate almost always. And that throwing arm of his is going to outlast everything else on that body. Yeah, that's and, right. You know, He's one guy that, you know, when you look at all the quarterbacks, I saw it happen to Kirk Cousins this year. He got hit too much. And there comes a point when you can only take getting hit so you get tired of it. It wears your body down. And I thought I saw that in Kirk Cousins. Right. But Ben Roethlisberger shows no signs of what we call, what do we call it, Christopher, cabin fever. Yeah, right. Never he has. Can be, he can be surrounded and can't move, and he's like, oh, somebody's going to be open. I'll wait. Yeah, right. And he makes the throw. So I've always been a big fan. I did so many of their games, watching him practice, watching him warm up, watching the outcome, seeing it. They never gets mentioned as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And, well, there's no doubt. I can argue that all day that he is. Yeah. All right, man. You the man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, you know – Great. You know, I'll talk to you guys, I guess, in February, okay? Yeah. Well, no, Phil, I'm hoping maybe championship – well, is Phil going to have to work championship weekend? Yeah. Am I? Of course. Of course. It's oh. CBS. I was hoping at least you could watch the game with us. Uh-huh. Well, Phil, maybe I'll just come up and watch a game at your house because your son's working too much to watch with me and Josh. If it's just you and me. <laughs> oh. Nope. So okay. he's abandoned you. Yeah, well, he's got to work now. <laughs> he's got, oh, he's got to work now. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, hey, listen, Adam, when you find that job where I don't have to do anything and they pay me, man, I'm all in. Let's see yeah. you go find it for me. <laughs> I got a place. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you guys, what are y'all doing Super Bowl real quick? Are y'all uh, going down We're going to be in Atlanta. We'll be there all week, yeah. In fact, right, we're well, trying to get you. Week. Maybe. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, maybe we'll do something Friday night, Phil. Friday, um, I think I got to work like a really long day on Saturday from what I understand about, you know, the rehearsal of a 14-hour pregame show. Right. Phil, we're going to play ping pong live in front of a studio audience at the Super Bowl. What do you think? <laughs> I think I'm going to when I see you, I'm going to punch you in the face. Perfect. <laughs> I'll still beat your ass in ping pong, even if I have a broken jaw. <laughs> see you, Dad. A little smart ass doing that to me last second. Caught me off guard. That's yeah. okay. All right. That's good. Hey, just remember. Yeah. There are a lot of damn Sims down in Kentucky, so be careful. Yeah, that's right. All right, Good guys. Super Bowl. See, <laughs> see ya. Good thing the Super Bowl is in Atlanta. Uh, Man, there is Kentucky. a lot of Sims in Kentucky. Watch out. I went to my 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 grandmother's funeral right uh, down in Springfield, Kentucky. When was this? It was like three, four years yeah, ago. I remember that. Yeah, and so where my kids got to see their first dead person, you know, in a yeah, casket, right? And um, I mean, they ran in like it was a new toy. Oh, I think you said this on yeah, the podcast. I'm yeah, pretty I sure this. I did. But we went down to Springfield where my dad was born and raised. And yeah, we went through the cemetery. And I swear, like half the cemetery said Sims on the gravestone. So I was like, damn, I am from Kentucky, aren't I? Speaking of dying, the Booger Mobile looks to be dead. Dead? He's going to be in the booth for okay. the playoff game. Wow. No okay. more Booger Mobile. Wow. Which I think was probably a smart idea. Yeah. He was in the booth last game. Yes, he was. Yeah. So that was good. All right. Good for them. Uh, before I do some of your film notebook, I want to just mention names that are being mentioned for possible coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. And I just want your honest take. And if you're hearing anything, and I kind of want to move quickly, so let's yeah. not spend okay, too I much won't. time. Go ahead. Uh, there is one name, though, that you're hearing that I'm not hearing a lot. Right. Munchak. Mike Munchak, yes. This I, is a Sims exclusive. It's a Sims exclusive. I do know Mike Munchak is um, very high on three or four teams out of the eight openings where he's looked at as the lead candidate or if not the lead, you know, the second guy, but at the top of the list. Currently the Steelers offensive Steelers line offensive coach. line coach was the head coach of the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, Titans, was the O line coach when I was there in Tennessee. He's though he was the head coach when they drafted Jake Locker. Right. AKA he was the fall guy. Well he was. He was the fall guy and he really wasn't the fall guy. The story I've always known there is that he was they were going to try to force him to fire people along the staff and he said, No, you can just fire me. I'll fire the people I think need to be fired. Oh, and that's wow. what happened. So it wasn't even because because of that. Okay. But he is without question, just so you know, without a doubt, one of the best coaches I've ever been with at any position. And offensive line coach, ooh, I mean, it's a tough one between him or Skarnecchia, but those are the two of the best I've ever been around. That's yeah. high praise. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Lewis says Hugh Jackson should get the Bengals job. That's crazy. That's called when keeping it real goes wrong or you're too close to your friend and you have bias. He's getting an interview. Oh, I mean, that's fine. That's good for an interview, but I just, I don't know. I mean, it's insane. Yes. I mean, the people of Cincinnati said pillage the streets with pitchforks and flames if he becomes the head coach of the Bengals. All right. I'm going to start just listing off names and you tell me what about any of the coaches that recently got fired? Bowles, Gase, Joseph Cutter, Marvin Lewis, McCarthy, Wilkes. Jackson. Any of those guys deserve an immediate another chance? Well, I mean, I think I look at Gase and go, okay, that was, I think, maybe a year too early for me and my likings. And I think there's some spots out there. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, a team like 
the Arizona Cardinals went Gase, right? Something like that. He's supposedly a guy that works well with quarterbacks. Exactly right. They have a young guy. Exactly right. So uh, I look at Gase. And then, hey, Mike McCarthy as well. If I was Mike McCarthy, I'd probably sit out a year. You I'd think let so? It, I would. I probably would just repair my... Um, but what are there any of these jobs, though? Like, Browns are worth coming out right now. Browns are. Maybe the Jets are, too. I mean, and the Jets, I mean, there seems to be some wanting here in the New York area. I don't have any inside info over how the Jets feel about Mike McCarthy. Well, if you want to know how the era would go in the Jets, this right. is how it always goes. Yeah, They get a new coach. It's the same year. They have a lot of salary cap. They spend all of it on big name free agents. They overperform by like two games and go eight and eight. And then because they spent all their money in the first year, they give them nothing and they lose free agents for the next two or three. And then you get fired. Yeah, it's what happened to Rex. Right. It's what happened to Bowles. They just keep doing the same thing over and over. You're, you're I can't really argue with that. So, uh, so yeah. Gase and McCarthy, but you would advise McCarthy to sit out a year. I would. I, I think I would, yes. And, you know, you know, of course, the people that are going to throw a curveball in this whole conversation, there's two names. I mean, well, John Harbaugh is going right. to throw – I mean, because we don't know what's going to happen there, and there's still a lot of things that seems like that need to be done and said there in Baltimore. Uh, and then, of course, Bruce Arians, who's mm. you know been out a year, who's another guy that I look at and go, yeah, he could throw a wrench into this whole situation as well. I thought he was only interested in Cleveland. He's interested in Tampa Bay. He came out and said it. And Bruce I understand Arians it. Tampa Bay. Well, okay. I, looked at, I When I first heard it, too, I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know about that. But then I also thought, wait, Bruce Arians might be the kind of guy that could get like oh, get him no, straight. Oh, no, that's what I thought. Okay. To me, it's like a buddy cop. Yeah, well, I would also get scared that it would be like too buddy. And also it could be like Jameis thinks he's the man, and then he's just loose yeah. and does whatever. I just know Bruce Arians' offense with those weapons. Holy crap. Tampa, I think, is a really sneaky good job. I really do. It all comes down to whether or not you, what you get out of Jameis. Well, Jameis is, of course, the huge elephant in the room, yes. But, you know, you look at the rest of it. First of all, I look at Tampa and go, Bruce Arians would be great for Tampa. He will sell tickets because people are going to be like, who is this crazy guy with a Kangol hat saying all these funny things at the press conference? He's going to get people to go to the games and get interest in the team just by his personality. He is a quarterback offensive genius. We know that. And we've talked about it a lot this year. I mean, it's Mike Evans, okay? It's O.J. Howard. It's, you know, White Boy Supreme Humphreys in the slot. Doesn't sound like Deshaun Jackson's going to be nope. there, but they have the other kid from Penn State, who I'm blanking on his name right now. The offensive Godwin. line, Godwin, right? The offensive line, we've talked about it, has pretty good size. They got the defensive line already, too. So you have pieces there. Yeah. And so I don't think it's the worst spot, is what I would say. All right. I'm going to name. I too long. You did. Yeah. I'm going to name other names. You tell me in your mind if you believe they're ready to be a head coach. And if any of these spots are attractive to yeah. him. Eric Bieniemy, I do. I you think do. I do. I think he's ready to be a head coach. If Matt Nagy is, so is he. It's the same type of path. I believe he could do that. He's been at least an offensive play caller for a very good offense, as we know. And to be the offensive play caller under Andy Reid, you have to be respected and trusted by Andy. And I think mm. that shows me enough that he deserves to be a head coach. Dan Campbell. Without a doubt, Dan Campbell is Mike Vrabel, except he's the t- offensive version, right? He's going to bring attitude and toughness and detail to yes. your football team. He'd probably be just like Vrabel, the only head coach to be out there blocking with the tight ends before the game, doing those kind of things. Yes, Matt Campbell, coach of Iowa State. Yeah, uh, I don't know enough about him. Right, we'll I do. Up. I am. I respect him though, and how they play. Iowa State has made a name for themselves in the Big Twelve, playing not Big Twelve football. Mm. 
mm. by basically blowing, no, we're going to play good, sound defense, and we're going to get in the eye formation and run, yeah. and they do different things. They've had a number of upsets. I know he's extremely well-respected. I just don't know enough about him personally. Eberflus. I, I think so, yes. Eberflus, this is might be my one caveat, though, with guys like this. In the day of the quarterback whisperer, and the owners, the only thing they know are quarterbacks and, and offensive numbers. Is the defensive coach still a thing? Is he a thing? And if he is a thing, then Eberflus better have an offensive coordinator he's attached with to get the job, a la a Dan Quinn with Kyle Shanahan and the Atlanta Falcons. They better have a guy to go, I'm bringing him with me as my OC. It's the first year I've heard a lot of people saying Vic Fan. Angio. Yeah. And meaning it. Yes. I, I I mean I of course we get it. It does sound like it's a little head, more real this head year. Coach though? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But with an offensive mind. With obviously. an offensive mind. Brian yes. Flores, you've always you already talked about. Yep. Um Cliff Kingsbury. Negative. And I got respect for Cliff, so I want to preface it with this first. I do think he could be a head coach in the NFL one day. I really do. But I don't think people who have spent their life in college football know what they're getting into when it becomes the NFL. It's one thing to game plan against Oklahoma State, who runs the same two defenses all game long, and then you only have 20 hours a week to prepare your football team, so therefore you only have about 15 or 20 plays too. And then you have to play the Baltimore Ravens, and you think you're going to go into that with that attack? My big thing is... Offensive young geniuses in the NFL. Everyone's trying to find McVay and Shanahan, right? Is that what everybody's trying to find? They, their life was in the NFL. McVay was coaching a top-tier offense and the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. Kyle Shanahan led Matt Ryan to an MVP and was a top-five offense with the Houston Texans and Schaub and Andre Johnson and invented the RG3 offense, but they came up through NFL DNA. Coaches who don't come up through NFL DNA... Steve Spurrier, Chip Kelly, it doesn't work out good. So that's what I would say about those type of guys. Zach Taylor, quarterback coach of the Rams. A lot like Cliff. He's going to be a head coach one day. I know Zach. I was with him in Tampa before. He has head coach materials and it factor. Got to be an offensive coordinator first. That's fucking insane for somebody to think, oh, the guy who's doing the quarterback room is now going to come onto our team and be the offensive coordinator and coach the whole team. If anybody goes along that line, that is insane. At one day he will be, but let's let him be a play caller first before we make him in charge of a billion-dollar organization. Freddie Kitchens? I think he needs another year of okay. b- being a top-notch OC. I can't believe Matt LaFleur still being mentioned by people. That's I can't ex- believe Bill Lazor is being mentioned Ridiculous. by people. Matt LaFleur, I do think maybe in his DNA, but anybody that's got to just, just watch Tennessee Titans offense this year, you can't say Matt LaFleur. What? And then, do you think Chuck Pagano can come back? You mentioned that before. Well, I respect Chuck a lot, and I think he's a lot better coach than people have given him credit for. I would would probably say that, Yeah, He's been kind of drugged. I would not be mad if he became a head coach at all. It's a fascinating year. And then, my other name would be... Like, Zach Taylor should be a guy one of those defensive coaches should bring along to become the OC. Mm. Vic Fangio, you got a job? Call Zach Taylor and bring him as your OC. That's a good Let combo. him be the OC two years, and then he can go move on and be a head coach. Do you think anyone has the confidence to pull the trigger on Josh McDaniels? After what happened? I think most teams are going to be extremely turned off about it. I don't really have any inside info. People are turned off by New England coaches and Josh McDaniels as is. You know, Which just, is so funny. It is funny, right? But it's just kind of the New We're going to say they're elitist when really they are the elitist. 
They're they are the elite. They are the elitist of the elite. They're the elitist, and then they come off as more elitist because before games and things like that, they don't talk to the other coaches because it's all business. It's just funny so, to me. Like I think about everyone in their working environments, and like people come in and they're like, "This isn't the way that it happened in New England." They're like, Ugh, "Listen, it's not New England." It's like, "Yeah, but you hired me to make it more like New England," and I'm telling you, your organization is run like shit. Right. I know. I know. That's exactly it. You know, it's You've always said, man, not every team's trying to win the Super Bowl. Then no. don't hire a coach that only knows how to try right. and win Super Bowls. That's right. He's going to make if life you, uncomfortable That's for the thing with the Bengals. Yeah. I'm so excited to see who the Bengals hire because for 18 years or however long it's been with Marvin Lewis, 16, 18 mm-hmm. years, we've never had to see the kind of guy they'd go out and get and what direction they're trying to go into. Right. It's always been status quo. Maybe we'll flip the coin and happen to win it this year. Yeah. But now we get to really see how expensive, how much money will they spend on a coach? Right. What kind of a coach will they go for? Right. Because in my mind, Cincinnati has never been a team trying to win the Super Bowl, ever. Cleveland hasn't been a team trying to win the Super Bowl either. They've been trying to win the AFC North. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The Jets have never been trying to win the Super Bowl in my mind. No, Never. No, even when they were really good with Rex, he was just going, let me just try to beat New England in the AFC East. That's all he was worried about. Denver has. Yes. And that's why the Ravens I'm- do. The Steelers do. You know, the Saints do. They're going for Super Bowls. Eagles do. They do. Exactly right. Uh, you went and watched some film. Yep. What did you see from watching Nick Foles? Um, I think the biggest thing, once again, with Nick Foles, if we just had to talk specifically about him, I am amazed with him, right? Again, I will say that he's not as talented as Carson Wentz, but I'm going to say the thing that I do love about his game. He's great with people around him. Like my dad was talking about Big Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not saying he's Big Ben, but he is unfazed by people around him in the pocket. Bears were talking about this. Nagy was saying, you watch him on film, you realize how big he is. Yeah, he's a big he man. Never, he never gets dis- distracted by the rush. No, he just never, never flinches. There's never anything like that. And the other thing that always jumps out to me is just how good of a covered thrower he is. It's the number one attribute yes. that he has over Carson Wentz. Yes. It's when, the reason why Alshon explodes with him on the field. I, I think there's some truth to that, certainly. His ability to go, oh, I'm under pressure, oh, Alshon or whoever's covered, but I think I can put it in this spot and they can still get it. He has got a knack for that, and he's very natural at that. So I always give him credit for that. You know, the other thing I would just go with your team, too, again, I'm angry at them a little bit, is because, I mean, it's just downhill run every play now. I love it. I mean, that's right. I mean, and your offensive line's healthy. They look healthy. They're playing healthy. Yes. So that's the beginning a great of the plus. year, Peters was out every other game. Right. They were they were messing with Wisniewski or Samalu. Yeah, and then he got hurt a little too, Wisniewski, right? Uh, our right t- the your right tackle, Jeez, yeah. he had the high ankle sprain yes, issues he was dealing with, and that's a tough injury. So, uh, my bold prediction for Sunday: Yeah, you're going to see Leonard Floyd on his ass more than he's ever been all year. That skinny motherfucker's going down. I'm yeah. getting angry. Now. Uh, sounds like it. Fuck you. <laughs> but, but I'm getting. I, but it was good to watch. They they played I'm one of their the whole game with a scheme. They played one of their best games as far as just the offensive line is concerned against the Redskins. So you're telling me. One of the scariest teams in the playoffs is also clicking? Kind of. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh my gosh, they scored 24 against the Redskins and they're an inept team right now. This is the freaking Bears, and they're a little different animal this week, but it's encouraging nonetheless. One other thing I'll say about your football team, just so we go, and we'll watch out for that this week. It is week. mine. Yes, I know it's yours. Is 
Um, I would be a little worried about them. I don't want to say repeating concepts, but I feel like I have a very good feel in formations of where formations? the ball is going to go. Right. Well, luckily the Bears don't have a great and, DC. And that was what worries Fuck. me. That's what worries me a little bit. Is that that kind of stuff right what there? What did you see on film from the Bears defense? The Bears defense. You know, I think the interesting thing with against the, the Vikings. Yes, the Bears defense. You know, I don't even know what, what was the first. I mean. First off, I watched the Redskins defense and then went into the Bears defense, right? So that's the two, I went back to back. And the one thing when you turn on the Bears film and I just know another it, level. You do. As soon as you turn it on, you just go, damn, it just seems like they're moving faster everywhere and they seem like they're bigger on the screen and all those things. So that's the first thing you notice. You just go, seems like the mass of blue and white is moving faster to the ball than the other teams I just watched on film. The only thing that I like for the Eagles is they did just play Jadavian Clowney and, and uh, sure. J.J. Watt. You're not going to be intimidated by They did just play Aaron Donald and right. Dominic and Sue. Right. But the problem with all the teams the Eagles faced the last three weeks, the Bears have a better offensive line than all of them. They do. They have a better offensive line. And this is still defense. the best D-line and the best front seven. As awesome as J.J. and Clowney are, this is, yeah. they're, they're not the Bears. All right, so what else do you see on the defense? You know, so that's, you know, they are... When I talk about being able to predict where you guys are throwing the ball at times, you okay? Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you if you need a bathroom break. No, no he looks good. But I'm not shaking. When we talk about like how I worry about your offense and I can see where the ball goes, you know, the one thing I look about your offense are certain formations where I know what kind of play is coming. And you guys do like to run these certain crossers or Ertz about 10 yards right 100%. over the middle. You ain't going to get that shit against Chicago. There's nobody better in football than stopping crossers and that kind of crap. Because so of that athleticism at linebacker? Their athleticism at linebacker. And also what's funny about who they played last week, the Vikings, of course, because of Filippo have some of those carryover plays that you guys run, and the Bears are all over. The fourth and two at the end of the game where Diggs caught it yes. and got hit as he caught it, that was kind of an Eagles play. But they were like, you're not going to throw that crap on us. We have a feeling you're going to go to this, and they blew him up. So that's a Bears advantage. That's a Bears advantage there, certainly. I mean, the Bears D, when I really look at it, I the, one of the things I wrote is, big thing is the Bears D has no weakness, schematically that was or player-wise. There's really no weakness other than maybe Lobbing the nickelback McMan- McManus, maybe, 27, because they lost Bryce Callahan, who was a really good nickel corner okay. for them. So maybe that... So Nelson Aguilar has to explode in the slot. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to... That would be the guy, if they do get man-to-man or get in those situations, Is he'd be the guy attacked. Is this that's good for Darren Sproles to face or bad? Pretty bad. Because they're yeah. so much faster than him already. No, they're just fast. They play good zone coverages. When they try to do those little wheel routes out of the backfield, they're going to be sitting there waiting How's for him. How's Ertz going to do against this team? Yeah, that would be the big thing. And I would think that would be tough sledding because those two in the it's middle. It's going to come down to Alshon on lob balls. It could be. It's in your run game. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to count your run game, even though they're awesome on run defense. I mean, if you can just keep them honest, it can be a different football game. Now, the other thing, too, with the Bears O-line, because I, I watched Cody, a little of that side. I need Cody Parkey, the former Eagle, to miss three field goals, <laughs> the Bears which O-line, would be great. Bears O-line's healthy like and, you guys are. You know, Kyle Long's back out there. they got everybody in the right spot, and that's why they ran for 170 yards against the Vikings last week. You know, So that'll be interesting, too. You have to deal with that. And what I would say, too— and I guess I'm going to say it now, even though I should save it for oh, tomorrow. Then don't say it. Don't okay, say it. Fine. Because it's going to impact my betting. But write it okay. down so you don't forget. Okay. Mark Fuck. it down. Like, normally I would just take that and then completely use it again. Well, you. I could just, it's just a schematical thing that I would okay, expect fine, to get break it out. You want me to? I don't care. Yeah, I mean, do it. No, my big thing would be <laughs> anytime you're playing this kind of team, Matt Nagy, Kansas City Chiefs, 
One thing I've always noticed when they were with the Kansas City Chiefs, when it became big must-win games or playoff games. They get tight? No. Alex Smith runs. They have designed runs for him. Like, And if you go back and Colts game Pittsburgh. where they blew the weed or Pittsburgh or any other games throughout the last few years, blew they the will lead. run Alex Smith in these games. And I would say watch out for Mitchell Jabriskie, you know, design oh, runs. If I was a Bears fan, the number one thing I want – is run Mitchell early. Get him comfortable. Have the crowd going nuts for him. You know, do a nice little bootleg where he comes out the back and picks up 40 yards and drops the ball and says first down. Yeah. Let Chicago love him. Because if I'm a Bears fan, yeah. that's my fear. Yeah, I know. Is that Mitch is going to lose this game for yeah, me. Trust me. It's their so fear. I want screen. If I'm a Bears fan, which I'm not, yeah. I'm rooting against this. I want screens to Tariq early. I want bootlegs where he's running, and I'm letting him take a shot to Benjamin. Yeah, I get that. That's what they should do. That, that's how I'm starting the game if I'm a Bears fan. The one thing I've also noticed with them on offense, it does, they put you in a bind when you want to play man-to-man. And it's really, Nagy has the plays, of course, to stress you in your man-to-man. He's got all the essentials you need to pick or bunch or whatever, switches, whatever all it is. But the other issue that, you, people sleep on when you play man again against the Bears, is Trubisky running again? Yeah. Because now you only got one guy for him. Or if that middle linebacker who's kind of just playing it's like free and he's trying to keep his eye on the quarterback but crossers, he takes one wrong step and all of a sudden Trubisky steps up. 40 yards. See it. Exactly right. So you have to be careful about when you pick to play man or two man against Trubisky because his legs become the sixth receiver, as we would say in the NFL or at the quarterback room. Who's Fletcher lining up with on this game? Well, it'll be Kyle Long and uh, you know the kid Daniels, the second round from Good. Iowa. Right. Good. We're yeah. going to hear their name a lot. <laughs> uh, last thing, you looked up some stuff on the Colts offense. Yeah, I mean, the Colts are just – I always like to watch and what they do. Uh, I only watch their offense. This is against the Titans. Against the Titans. You know, they're just such a force. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, the game planning by Frank Reich, of course, is, is very impressive on a weekly basis. We're not exaggerating Quentin Nelson's impact. No, definitely not. Quentin Nelson's an all-pro guard. Him and Zach Martin are the two best guards That's in insane. football. Yeah, they're the two best guards in football. And Quentin Nelson, I would say this year, has been the best guard in football. And you know I like Zach Martin and some other guys. And I am willing to say that Quentin Nelson is the best guard in football. Um, but this is where they put you in a bind. Not only are they hulking and they can just run and and collapse the side of the line to run the football. You know, their pass protection is what they really screw you with, Lefko, and you know this. I know I'm not preaching to the choir here, but where they put you in a bind on the defensive side of the ball is you go, you know, oh gosh, you watch film and you go, Oh man, we got to worry about T.Y. Hilton and Chester Rogers and Ebron downfield. We got to keep seven deep, you know, just to try to stop these passes. But then when you do that, you only rush four. And he's got all day. All day. And then eventually he picks you apart doing that. Yeah. So then you go into the bind and go. Luck will go through all five. He leagues. will go. He is. He will be as patient as possible, and he's not afraid to sit there and take the shot to wait for the thirty-yard completion come open. Yeah. So he does that. So so then the defensive coordinators go. Well, damn, he's got all day, and he's picking us apart. So let's rush five or let's rush six. And you know what happens when teams rush five and rush six? Six. He's got all day again. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And. More times or not, they st- 
condone those type of blitzes to where now you go, well, we were trying to get pressure on him, but we really didn't get much pressure. And T.Y. Hilton and some of these receivers are wide open down the field again, or they're in a matchup that you like, and he's a great down-the-field thrower. So that's where they really stress you. They should have won that game and put that game away so much quicker than they did the other night. I mean, come on. Of course. The pick six, you know, they're in field goal position, and Marlon Mack fumbles. I mean, that game was about to get out of hand, and they they kept them in it. But they're just dangerous. They are dangerous. The what, you, crazy. what you said earlier today, yeah. if the Colts beat the Texans, yeah. which is very possible, right. they're automatically playing the Kansas Chiefs. City. Right. And if there's a team that Kansas City doesn't want to face, right. it might be the Colts because Houston and Chris Jones and D. Ford probably are not going to get to Andrew they're Luck. They're not going to ruin the game. Right. And Andrew Luck might put up 55 on the Colts. Right. I mean, the Chiefs, yes. That's what I mean. Yes. No, I'm with that's what scare me. Which makes me as a gambler go. Right. There are some interesting like matchup bets where you like if I could already predict the Colts in the AFC championship game. Right. Which is the reason I'm sending the Patriots to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I hear you. No, I hear you. Because Andrew well, Andrew Luck in New England, what if the Colts go to the Super Bowl, bro? I know. I don't think it's crazy. It's not. Not in the AFC. Not this year. Again, I, I can't stress to anybody enough, I have no vested horse in this. And I'm then, just telling you as a fan. No vested horse. No vested horse in this, yeah, right? Put great. that in the dictionary. <laughs> I have no horse in this race, right. and I have no vested interest right. combined. Or a vested horse. That's I'm, I'm just thinking I'm reading of a horse between the tea and a bubble vest. vest. Reading between the tea leaves. Well, reading between the tea leaves. That's an I'm extra reading the tea deep. leaves, but I'm also reading between the it's lines. extra deep. That's extra deep. I'm just imagining like a forest of, <laughs> what are these things? These tea leaves. Tea leaves. Um, my only thing that I'm thinking that I love about it yeah. is if the Colts get to the Super Bowl yeah. and the Saints make it, right. you get a rematch of Saints-Colts. But it also oh, makes funny, me right? it also makes me think, I could totally say that the Super Bowl doesn't count that much for the Saints because they played a sixth seed. <laughs> Who do they actually You're such beat? a Saints hater. It's hilarious. I was wondering where you were going. All right, oh let's get gosh. Enrique on the line. Did you watch any other film, or that was it? No, that was okay, it. Cool. Yeah, I've been skipping around. That was all I wrote down in the doc. I didn't know if you watched anything yeah, else. No. All right, I, so uh, we're bringing it's a on. weird week with New Year's. So we're going to bring in Enrique. Got some yep. catching Is up. Nick going to call him? Nick's going to call him. Enrique, Enrique, just for your knowledge, is a lifelong Raiders fan. Okay. Been listening to the pod since 2014. Discovered Sims and Lufko on the BR app. And the name of his team was the Big Fucker from the Sims Metrical Conference. Oh, I like it. And I think he posted on Instagram after he won the Grand Championship, and he said, my team name is Big Fucker. And then he clarified that that was your dad's nickname and that he didn't just pick a random two words to name his team. We, we, we knew that, yes. And I, I think, like, first of all, that's a great name to win in the first SNL league, the S-L-F-L. Big Fucker. Yeah, SLFL. We should probably get him a Big Fucker autograph or something. I'll do that for him. Oh, look at that. Enrique! Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, man? How you doing? Congratulations, man. We're proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, it feels good. Feels good to be the grand champion. Oh, SLFL inaugural inaugural grand champion. I'm looking at your team. It was Saquon the horse that carried you the whole time. Uh, yeah, it was Saquon. You know, and and Ertz. Ooh. Oh, the Ertzinator. Yeah, that's a pretty good squad you had together, I mean, for, for fantasy football. I mean, you got some unbelievable produ- uh, production. Ooh, tell me the rest of the team. Let me hear the rest of them. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I picked up Robert Woods, and 
You know what? This is funny, but this is my first time I did PPR. Oh. Yeah, I'm used to doing standard, so I went kind of RB heavy in the first five, six rounds. I love it. All right, I can't talk about fantasy anymore. Enrique, you're on the Simpson Left Go podcast. You're a Raiders fan. The Raiders. Um, I'm, I'm... You can you can ask anything. You can say anything right now because you're the grand champion. What would it be? You know what? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, everyone that participated. You know, uh, the commissioner, uh, Kyle. He did meatloaf. Everyone did an awesome job. That's wow, awesome. look at you. What a good team player you are, man. I yeah, mean, what, geez. What, what Raiders topics do you want to talk about? This is your segment, man. You know what? I'm from Fresno. Okay. So Derek Carr came to Fresno State. Right. Um, so he's kind of a legend around around here. He's kind of everyone's rooting for him. Obviously, it was a best fit, him going to the Raiders. Um, it's kind of been disappointing the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm hoping, you know, him working with Gruden gives him some kind of continuity. Um, and I'm hoping they can turn it around. Um, my question is, do you think Carr can – make leaps and bounds with Gruden this next year? I do. I do. I really – I think, first of all, you know, let's not forget what Derek Carr was two years ago. Let's not forget that, you know, or I should say three years ago. Let's not forget last year he played with, you know, broken back parts. And then this year he had a deal with a whole new language, offense, whole new culture of people and different people around him. New O-line. Yeah, new O-line. Lots of different things uh, that he had to deal with. So, yeah, I still think Derek Carr has the ability to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. you got young tackles. you still got a decent interior offensive line. Gruden and company and Mike Mayock, they're going to get some wide receivers to go along there. Uh, I, I do. I have faith that the Raiders can get this thing turned around, dude. You know, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, you know, I've been a Raiders fan since I was born, so I've endured hardship with yeah. them, so I'm going to stick with them. How old are you? I'm going to be 35 next month. Yes. Okay, all right, 35, all right. So you were alive for some of the Super Bowl. Actually, no, you were Were you born in 83? I'm glad that the SLF... 84. 84, yeah. I'm glad that the SLFL champion could legitimately run for president. He could run for president. Yeah, he's thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's good. Good to know. We're gonna get you an autograph from the big fucker too, since uh, that was your team name. All right. We'll get. Oh, we'll, that'd be awesome. We'll get you something from Big Phil, and uh, we'll get him to write you something special on there, dude. Wait, did you just have a birthday? Uh, no, my birthday is next month. Ooh. Why would you just randomly ask that? Because Nick got in my ear and said it means he just had his birthday. It was bad information from our audio engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I ran with it. I got excited. I didn't know what to do. Wait, so I want to also hear what was the team performance for the big fuckers on Sunday? Like, who who had the big day? Like, who did you beat in the, you know, what, what were the teams that were close to you there with, with the final showdown? You know what? I wasn't paying attention to everyone else. It was kind of difficult to see, but, you know, my Let's team focus started on those double team. digits. And who was no, your big point this taker this year? Who was it? Who got it this week? Who was killed? Like, did Woods kill it this week? I think Williams had a big game, well, too. It was week 16 was the championship. Yeah. Oh, it was week 16. Got you, got you, got you. Okay, all right. I picked up Robbie Anderson, and he was a stud. Nice. Yeah. All yeah, right, so, so Enrique, I appreciate you so much because you've been listening for so long since 2014. Uh, is there has there been any uh, thing that you've disagreed with Sims or me for all these years that you've been like, man, if Ooh. I ever saw these guys, I'd really like to give them a piece of my mind. I love that question. Uh, 
You know what? I, I My line of thinking kind of aligns with you guys. I think that's why I can relate, and I enjoy your podcast so much. Um, I'm open to, you know, suggestions and criticism, but I'm also, you know, I can be self-aware, and I, I like that you guys are self-scouting each other and whatnot. The only thing is sometimes, you know, let's go. You got, you got to let Sims talk. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I knew I liked you. That's right. But, go but ahead. You know what? Lefko, he's cor- he's kind of corrected it over the last kind of six months or a year. Or so. Oh, Lefko. <laughs> he yeah. is coachable. He's coachable, everybody. Thank you, Enrique. I appreciate that. Um, hey, and then one more thing. Josh Allen uh, grew up about 45 minutes from um, Fresno. Gotcha. He's a fireball kid. Yep. So, you know, we're rooting for him too. So Yep. Don't worry. We've adopted him here already. He's uh, yeah, Josh Allen's the man. He, he's one of my favorites. He was my favorite guy coming out in the draft. He hasn't got enough respect for even what he did the last few weeks up in Buffalo. But, yeah, he'd be one of those guys that, that Lefko and I would both say watch out for next year when they get a little talent around him. All right, Enrique. Oh, yeah. You're the man, dude. We appreciate you. Thank you for your support all the time. Congratulations on being the grand champion in the inaugural year of the SFL Fantasy Championship. Uh, I'm going to give you a a podcast send-off. So for Sims, for Fendrick, for Lefko, for Enrique, what are you going to say, Enrique? You have to have a tagline. You got to say bye to the um, fans. No, let's do it again. Yeah, Start yeah. from the top. Hold on. Yeah, hold we're on. We're going to give you the music. Like, come up with something cool, okay? Don't spell your last name and say man at the end, okay? No, that's the only thing I'm <laughs> asking. <laughs> all right. All right. So, oh, let's just end it here, I guess. Yeah. We ended it here. We had a couple other things in the rundown. Oh, all right. Keep fine. playing the music. Just keep playing this for, okay. Four Sims. Thank Peace you out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening. On the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. And for Enrique. Buenos dias. Perfect. All right, good shit, Enrique. Holler at you later, brother. You're the man, dude. All right. Be good. Be well. Bye-bye. All right, right, Nick, we're back. You can kill the music. Okay. Oh, yes, we got to show this to Sims. Real quick. I was wondering where he was going to go with that. Buenos dias. All right, have you seen what the Niners Nation, uh, SB Nation website put together? No. He so know what that I don't is. know. Maybe someone. I know what it to SB him. Nation is. But. So they put together a clip of Kyle running routes in the 2002 game against Houston. Oh, of you early season. Yeah, yeah. this is. Um, and this uh, this made the rounds. Any comments on this video? Yeah, it's you throw the ball to Kyle. But so, then I think Major gets in there at the end because there's well, a, yeah, there's it was a clean, righty. It was, that, it was cleanup time, oh, okay. so yeah, they bring Major in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, look at that. Look at Kyle running. Little skinny white ass running around everywhere. Lefko and I were watching this, and we saw a righty throw at the end. Yeah, it was – oh, wait. No, that wouldn't have been – this is my senior year. I'm wearing two. So this is not – that wouldn't have been major – oh, that's Chance Monk. That's who that is. Chance Monk. Chance Monk. With the rocket arm. Chance is extremely talented from the Woodlands down in but Houston. Ky- Kyle had like five or six catches. Kyle was a phenomenal route runner. Phenomenal. Like, I'm not sugarcoating it. He – had a few routes where Quentin Jammer was the number six pick in the NFL draft. He knew when he had to cover Kyle, he was like, damn, these two routes, Kyle. Which routes? He, would, he was the master of the in-cut. He had great hips, Kyle. So he could, like, be running straight up field and almost turn his hips like he was going to run to the right, but then be able to stick his foot in the ground and go left. Like, he was really gifted at the way. He had years of paying attention to Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith. You know what else he brought to the team, too? 
he brought the cross and the cleat, which I'll never forget. Yeah, I've told you about, about that. that. Yeah. You know, the guys, the cleats, everyone likes to wear their cleats really small, really tight, because I'm going to be faster. I'm going to yeah. go from a 4-4-4-9-9-9 to a 4-4-9-9-8, you know. But you cut a little hole where your big toe is so you don't get turf toe or jam your toe all the time in these tight cleats. It gives just a little room for the foot and toe to move. Do you think he has the receivers cut the X in their toes now? He's probably told about it. I, you know, the shoes have gotten better. I mean, it, it really has. Now, I do believe he's got a lot of these tapes that he shows his players. You, know? you think so? I do, yeah. He likes to Kyle shows in. his players tapes of him running routes in Texas. Yeah, I mean, this is a common thing in football. Like, John, I saw clips of John Gruden when I was playing for him, playing quarterback at whatever crappy school he went to. Just to mix it up a little right. bit. Right. It's just things you throw in to keep exactly right. Like, keep everybody fresh. You can't always put in a, here's the film from yesterday. Got it. You know, you get Unless liven up the room. <laughs> yeah, right. You liven up the room a little bit and go like, you know, oh, there's look at look at Josh in high school. I got some clips his coach yeah. sent me. You know, just things gotcha. like that. Right. Uh, what's this YouTube thing? Yeah. So we talked. You talked about this a long time ago, but uh, we had a fan on Reddit ask if this video is real and if not, uh, how it was done. Oh, his fantasy, yeah. the fantasy file video. Pick right. me. Pick me. Yeah. yeah. Made all the throws. Some of them are not real. Um, the best part about it is when I threw to the stationary garbage cans. I didn't make one. I didn't make one, which is embarrassing to say. But when I I was a master at hitting the goalpost, and when I was a master, I almost killed our guy driving the golf cart on that thing too. But, man, I probably had to throw like 10 throws there. I made it in the garbage can on the moving target like eight out of the 10 times. You know, but it was so a cool thing to do. They're shooting the the commercial. I think you were the first one. They're I like, was oh, the this second is gonna one. Be easy. These guys can do anything. Right, yeah, right. And uh, and I did it. And the first thing I did was throw to the stationary garbage things that were like forty or fifty yards away. And I was like, oh, I'll I'll hit one of these. And man, I kept hitting the lip, just missing. Blah blah. blah. How long were you out there for? God, I probably did it. You know, forty five minutes okay. or so, something that was like a that. Legit throwing. And session. I had no clue. That was like, they asked me, the NFL asked you to do these type of things, and they were like, yeah, there's, you know, fantasy, and I'm like, what? What Fantasy fantasy? football? What are you talking about? I don't even have an email address. All I know is there was a field goal kicker that made the commercial before me where he could hit all the objects, and I was the second guy. I saw the commercial. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. Who was the kicker? I can't. I want to say it was somebody down in Miami, but I'm not sure. I can't even remember. I am, oh, wait, the kicker for the fantasy? It was your boy that hit the, uh, the bells. My boy that hit the bells? Yeah, my Mason boy? Crosby. Oh, why is that my boy? I was just making it oh, up. Okay. Yeah. All right. He did ask about you, though. No. I don't think he did. <laughs> but thanks for thanks for telling me that he did. All right, I'm going to the DMs really quick. Uh, I just want to see if there's any questions here. Um, all right, this is Keaton Royce talking about the Colts. I just heard Sim say the Colts get gashed in the run game. I thought it let me know that they didn't give up a 100-yard rusher all year, and they went up against Zeke, Barkley, Lamar Miller, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Ajay, etc. Yeah, I, I Zero 100-yard rushers. Yeah, since. I knew that already. I knew that. I said that on TV, too, so uh, I can attest to that. I, I, I said it on Sunday Night Football last week. I understand that. You know, Ezekiel Elliott would have ran for 150 if they didn't fall behind. The holes were big. They would have ran it. You just have to be patient. A lot of the times with some of the good teams that have tried to run the ball on them, they either don't have a pass game that the defense respects or they've been fortunate enough to play, you know, like I said, in a game like Dallas where they got up ahead on the scoreboard and Dallas lost the luxury of trying to be able to run the football. So I I was very aware of that when I said that. I get that. The Colts, what they try to do, they play eight-man fronts. 
they know they're undersized, and they try to discourage you by running inside by making a mess of things and mm. stunting, and you've heard me say all that stuff. So they might bust through the line of scrimmage and make a five-yard tackle for a loss. You've got to stay with it because eventually you're going to hit them in the right stunt, and you're going to gash one up the middle for a huge game. All right, last one I'm going to do is another self-scout. You know, yeah, Saquon didn't run for 100, but damn, Eli Manning threw for 300, so you gave up something that was an issue in that game. Ocho Iloki, self-scout. I think the fellows in the pot are coming off a little soft on Kirk. I know this is a team sport, trust me, but the reason Phil Simms deserves to be the Hall of Fame is not because of Peyton Manning's stats, but because when it was time, he found a way. Kirk simply does not find a way. His record against 500-plus teams speaks for itself. I'm a little confused why you guys always want to protect him. Yes, he has interior offensive line issues, but so does Deshaun Watson. Every team has issues. But when you essentially return the same squad and don't make the playoffs, Kirk 100% deserves some blame. My two cents. Peace out, homies. Phil from Ottawa, Canada. Yeah, I, I mean, I get all that, and he's not Deshaun Watson or in that class at all, so I don't put him there. Good stuff, Ocho. Though. You know, the, the those are all I, I hear you all the way. I don't think we're sitting here trying to tell you that he's like awesome, right? We're just trying to let you know that he's not the number one issue there. I think that's the big thing we're trying to say. And again, I know Kurt a little bit. You guys have seen me interact with him. It's not like we're buddies or texting or calling or anything like that. But I just know him through passing through the years. I have no vested interest in him either. I'm just trying to tell you that the criticism was a little unfair is what I'm trying to say. There's a reason the offensive coordinator was fired, okay? Uh, I just watched the Bears film, and let me just tell you that I'm not sure three people were open the whole game. So, And I would also tell you that he didn't have three seconds to throw the ball the whole game, too. So, again, I, I'm not trying to say he's great. I'm just saying he's good enough to win, and you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, but he is not the issue of why or the number one issue why the Vikings didn't make the playoffs. That's all we were trying to say, right? No, you know what the number one reason they didn't make the playoffs but, was? But. Because the magic of the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles is so strong. Cue the outro. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. I'm going to wait for the music to come on. Damn, he's sleeping back there. Any day, Nick. <laughs> I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Second in the betting segment, man. That's who he is. He's second in the betting segment. There's a new champ in town. The champ is here. And the we champ is here. Well, holler, holler, holler. Holler, 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 holler. At you later. I'm going to beat him on the betting show tomorrow. I'm going to retake my lead. Don't worry about it. Here I come. See you later. Peace.